At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are back with WCW 1996, episode three. As we leave you, uh, we leave Super Brawl 96 with Ric Flair being the world champion. If you listen to our last podcast, Elizabeth leaving the Macho Man and Hogan. And they should have, they sh- you know, as I was thinking about this, she had every right to leave because the day she comes in, the conversation with Hogan, Kevin Green, and Macho Man is who's going to date her. Good on you, Elizabeth, for, for leaving those three goofballs. But anyway, what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about the post-Super Brawl Nitros. We're going to lead you all the way through the uncensored pay-per-view, which, oh man... This is quite a show. You know what it is actually is it is a it is a precursor to what WCW pay-per-views actually become. The matches that you don't really know too much about are really good and the ones that they're selling as the main events are really bad and <laughs> and that that was kind of the story to this show. Uh but so we're going to do that. We're going to talk about I I I broke it down to Four main topics here. We'll go over what the main event scene was like. Then we'll talk about Brian Pillman. We had our conversation with um, Brian Pillman the last episode. Then I did the bonus show with Liam McGregor and the boss, Kyle Ross. And so that is up there in our Patreon. The video is also in the Patreon. That video did not go to our public YouTube. It's exclusively on the Patreon. And then we'll talk about something that becomes a much bigger story in the summer, which is Kevin Nash and Scott Hall leaving WWF for WCW. This is starting right now in this time frame. So we'll go over that and then we'll go over uncensored. Before that, what I wanted to do is we had talked about this Medusa thing on the last show. And lo and behold, Dave Meltzer and I interviewed Medusa. Uh, her new book is out and actually I read it. It's fun. It's totally fine. You're, it, it's a uh, very much a book sort of written from her heart. You can, you can tell. Um, and I think people would enjoy it uh, if, if they, if they're a Medusa fan, but what we're going to do is we're going to play about a three minute and 30 second clip 
of me asking Medusa about coming in in late 95, putting the WWF women's title belt in the garbage can, and then why nothing happened after that. So why don't we play that first, then we'll come back and we'll kind of start start the topics that I mentioned. But let's play this Medusa interview first. So you you wrote about this in your book, and I'm sure you've been asked about it, you know, <laughs> probably more than anything else. But that time frame of going to WCW, showing up on Nitro, like that, like that kind of created. Uh, no, no, no! It created, it created the platform right. for both companies for WWE to come back and rise up, and WCW to have that that momentum and both rise, and especially WCW. And all the men to have million dollar contracts or hundred thousand dollar contracts or whatever, and it put them on the freaking scale. It was I'm gonna say, and I do say, like, hey, that was the main start of the Monday Night War when that crap happened. There was one little turbulent before, and I can't remember who popped over. Who was Luger. it? Lex Luger. Luger. Yeah, Luger. Yeah, in the first week. Yeah. Yeah, it so, was Luger, so. but. There was nothing like my title dropping it in the trash and it, it making a splash. And it was like, oh, hello, time for us to wake up. Well, I recently rewatched it and I hadn't watched it probably since 1995. And dear Mongo with the little bat dog. Yes, Aww. yes. And so the thing that the thing that and Dave can probably answer this, too, because you covered that time frame. But when you come over and you do that, my expectation is like, Oh, she's coming in and she's going to be their number one woman wrestler because they were bringing in mm. some of the the underground folks uh, who, you know, some from Japan. They're bringing in some uh, some from Mexico, like Conan is there. And so it just seems like, oh, this is another piece to this puzzle, which is we're going to get some women's <laughs> wrestling. And then the only thing that you do, at least in, uh, in my rewatch that I've that I've seen is yeah. you know, like a quick match with Sherry Martell. And it's like Colonel, did the whole Colonel thing or what? No, that yeah, was yeah, with, uh, like with Colonel uh, Rod Parker. Yeah. When he and Sherry were getting yeah. married and you kind of broke up the marriage. But then you lose the match to Sherry on like a roll up. And I was just I was just amazed rewatching that because I didn't really remember what happened. But like what was there not a like when you came over, was there not a plan or were there broken promises? No, or? there was yet yeah, broken promises, period. Like dudes, we'll have a roster. We're going to build a woman's program. We'll have a title. We'll do that. I'm like, yeah, that'll be a reason to come over and just ignite this because this is where the, you know, big women play, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, what the hell just happened? But somehow they thought they would do the double swerve and push me to do start doing these barbecue matches with Oklahoma. And they knew I hated that crap, that whole bra and panty stuff. And dude, uh, ugh. anyway, and then it was the evening gowns and it was just so just disrespectful. And it was I was getting p more pissed off by the, you know, by the minute. But I kept I bit my lip and I did what I had to do in the contract. And, you know, and the whole spiel, the whole thing. And I was. I ugh, I knew I needed out and I knew it was a lot of broken promises and um, they never gave me the women's title. So there's a few things there probably coming out in book two. I'm really going to lay it out because I, I you can't you read the book. You can't put all this stuff in one book. And so there's a lot of things that go deeper to the story. So it's like, I'm going to pick out a bunch of chapters, kind of like what Jericho does. You pick a chapter, you write a book, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, that definitely, um, there's so much there. There's so much there. 
Because the last time I played a clip, you couldn't hear it very well. Were you able to hear that clip? Oh, yeah. Yeah, clearly. Okay. That's all the video as well. Yeah. So uh, she's she's conflating the time frame a little bit. Mm-hmm. She comes in in 96. She's talking about barbecue matches with Oklahoma. That was more 99 time frame. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, she basically said, yeah, you know, Eric promised me stuff, and it just never happened, and I was kind of put on the back burner. So I just thought that was very interesting. It was very timely because I was able to talk to her not too long after we did our first episode or our second episode. But uh, but yeah, I just wanted to play that for for folks who may not have heard that on Wrestling Observer Radio uh, because I thought it was a you know pretty pretty lucky opportunity for me to ask her and <laughs> you know very very strategically asked her by the way didn't say it was for this podcast but it really was for this podcast. <laughs> um, okay, so main event scene uh, headed towards uncensored. Nature Boy Ric Flair, obviously we mentioned he's the, he's the champion at this point. Uh, so on the Raws that, I'm oh, sorry, Raws on the Nitros <laughs> that we watched. Um, what did you think about just the going back to the well? It's very Flair, Savage, Hogan, Arn influenced. They're they're pretty much wrestling like every single week. There's yeah. one week where Nitro is off and it they do a I think it's a Civil War documentary. They do some crazy number like they double the wrestling rating for, for that <laughs> show, which is kind of funny. Uh, but really just the emphasis, Kevin Sullivan, it's we're still in the Dungeon of Doom yeah. time frame and they're building up to this insane match, which originally it's supposed to be Hogan in a triple Tower of Doom or whatever they call it against four bad guys. But then it changes. We get, we get closer to Uncensored, and we'll talk about that. But what did you think of these matches? I mean, very Hogan Savage Flair all over again. Yeah, and that's who they have, really. Right? Like, you think about the, the, the top of the car when it comes to heels. Like, who they have to be replacing a Flair or uh, an Arn Anderson um it they don't have anything until you know scott hall kevin ash come in and really give them a shot in the arm and something new for the bay faces to you know go up against so originally the main event for uncensored is going to be hogan against uh lock ness <laughs> arn anderson rick flair and kevin sullivan so this crazy multi-tiered cage match it was going to be one against four so not even a, just a handicap match it was a one against four match i assume and- Loch Ness was going to be in the bottom of the cage not on top of the little, <laughs> little cage right <laughs> uh and then uh, obviously it was going to be sting and luger against the road warriors mm-hmm. but literally i think it was after the first week they pull Loch Ness from this match and uh, they replace him with Lex Luger with the storyline that Jimmy Hart is basically running the show. And he can actually call power of attorney on Lex, pull him out of the tag match, mm-hmm. and put him in this uh, the, this cage match against Hulk Hogan. And, and like I said, we'll get to how this match changes. So then Booker T replaces Lex Luger. Uh, as things partner against Road Warriors, what do you think about adding Booker T to that storyline? Well, Harlem Heat was like the perennial like tag team champion for a long time, right before 
So I think it's it, it makes sense. We're like, hey, my enemy's your enemy kind of thing, you know, against, you know. So I think it was like the idea was Sting's like, you team with me, you help me out. And then if we, we win, Harlan, he gets another title shot. Right. Sting and Luger, right? That's so the it, carrot that they're dangling. Yeah, to make, yeah, yeah. To so it's beneficial for Booker T and Harlem Heat to to go along with this this uh, this plan here. So originally, it was also supposed to be Sherry against Colonel Rob Parker in the man versus woman match. That gets changed to Medusa, and the reason it was changed is because Sherry was fired mm-hmm. because she was supposed to do an angle on the February twelfth Nitro where uh, she was supposed to destroy Colonel Rob's Cadillac, but she showed up in uh, no condition to perform. And then uh, Johnny B. Bad was also scheduled to have an I Quit match with Diamond Dallas Page, but uh, Johnny B. Bad's contract is coming up, and they decide to not renew him. And part of this is because he wants guaranteed money and you would think, well, Vince is not going to give you guaranteed money. Why would Bischoff give you guaranteed money? And in order to get someone to jump ship, I think Vince gives Johnny B. Bad, a.k.a. Mark Merrow, like a real guaranteed contract to come jump ship. Is that, is that what happened? I assume that's, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't keep Johnny B. Bad. But I guess that was the, the money deal was the reason, yeah. I didn't know about that. I never knew about that. I thought he just was kind of over it and wanted to go to WWF. It's all a good opportunity there. But so on the in the March 18th Wrestling Observer newsletter, Dave says Johnny B. Bad quit World Championship Wrestling on the morning of March 11th after an airport discussion with Eric Bischoff prior to his scheduled Monday Nitro appearance, and is expected to sign a three-year deal with the World Wrestling Federation. Now, what's not in there is. Uh, well, actually, he does say uh, in a later issue, Merrill wanted a guaranteed deal rather than the WCW deal he was under, which allowed them to cut him basically quarterly. Like every quarter, they mm. could opt out of the deal. And he uses leverage. And also his excuse to Bischoff was he's a religious guy and he doesn't like this Kimberly angle where he's messing with somebody else's real life wife, Diamond Dallas Page at at the time. Um, and, and this is, this also kind of is about the nasty boys because the nasty boys are there, then they're gone. And then they're there again. Yeah. And the idea for Bischoff was, well, we, we kind of have Nash and Hall coming. And so we're going to have to cut some contracts, but I guess, I don't know if the nasties decided to take a lower deal or not, but that, but they, but they were not cut. They actually did come back. So there's moving and shaking going on here uh, with, with contracts and with talent. So also what was scheduled to be on this show was Chris Benoit versus Randy Savage in a false count anywhere match. They did not set that up in any way. So they pulled away from that pretty quickly. And I think it was because uh, Chris Benoit had, uh, obligations for, for New Japan Wrestling that they couldn't get out of. Uh, the, then it became the Giant versus Loch Ness. So they pull Loch Ness out of the cage match. They put him in this one-on-one match with the Giant. Uh, Conan against Eddie Guerrero. Steve Finley. Uh, Steve Finley. 
Steve Regal. Steve yeah. Finley was a, a guy who, who who broke my heart uh, when he was on the Dodgers. And, and uh, <laughs> Steve Regal versus David Finley, who's the Belfast Bruiser. And and that and that's your card at this point. So what did you think about Hulk Hogan taking a pinfall to Arn Anderson on Monday Nitro? Well, they need to do something. I, I think it was also, you know, Hogan playing a game, you know, but you also know he's getting that win back, right? But they need yes. to do something to to steam up uh the horseman slash Dungeons and June uh Doom uh group together going to uncensored. But yeah, I think Arn was on a two win win streak or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he Hogan. beats him. He beats him on February twelfth, and then mm-hmm. he wins the rematch on February nineteenth. That is by disqualification because Savage comes in and he's, you know, trying to uh, tell the referee that there's shenanigans going on, but he's the one who gets disqualified. Is that the same episode where like Liz is Liz was trying to hunk ha- handcuff uh, Hulk Hogan to the ring post and she and can't he basically figure it has out to handcuff himself. And they, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's famous, famous episode. Uh, but yeah, I remember like, being shocked as a kid when that happened, like, oh my gosh, Hulk, Arnie Anderson beat Hulk Hogan. And you know, even though it was, it was by cheating, but still, he still beat him, you know. And yeah. I think Hogan can always be, hey, I put over Arnie Anderson. He's like, you know, he's on, not a, t- a top, top guy, but you know, I still put him over, you know. Absolutely. So then uh, Flair faces Savage again. And I feel like they had gone to this match one mm-hmm. too many times uh, when this happened. And he be, he wins again with a you know screw job finish or wonky finish or whatever. I feel like um, Savage is probably losing on TV a little bit too much, but because they're trying to win a ratings war, yeah. they're putting on these matches that are drawing because people are watching them and they're beating WWF. So so it's it's actually working. But poor Savage is just, you know, taking he, he's he's the one who's looking, you know, Hogan loses to Arn, but there's an out. Uh, F- F- Savage loses to Flair and you're like, ah, this guy just keeps getting screwed. He's not he's like not the smartest guy here to keep getting screwed out of these matches. So it's very it's interesting probably, how. Go ahead. It's probably one of the reasons why Hogan did lose to Arn two weeks in a row is because. His buddy Savage is probably bitching to Eric Bischoff. Hey, I'm the one that's always taking the falls here. So yeah, that doesn't make sense. Brutus Beefcake oh. comes in as the booty man, and supposedly he was a spy for Hulkamania. Do good guys have spies? Do heroes need spies in, in the camps of the of the bad team? Um, yeah, you know it does happen. It does happen, and. <laughs> In warfare, I guess. Um, I guess. <laughs> now we know why Zodiac was not letting Loch Ness and other guys try to attack Hogan in the cage, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but Bruce Beefcake was, you know, renamed the Booty Man because he shook his booty when he did his high knee. It was a high knee the finish. High knee. Exactly. But basically, he was the replacement for Johnny Bat, who was in that program with right. Dallas Page. So. Right. And and yeah. and he's gone. So so Booty Man takes spot. This is something I didn't know, which is um, he tried to get the beefcake name from WWF, but he had to stop because Vince wasn't giving it up and Vince was going to lawyer up. And he's like, man, this is going to get too expensive. I'm just going to be the booty man. 
Why can't he just call himself uh well Brother Brudai? Brother okay. Brudai became a name at some point. Yeah, Brother Brudai when he first came into WCW 1994 with Hogan, he was Brother Brudai. I thought that was fine. What about Dizzy Hogan? He could have went back to Dizzy Hogan <laughs> or Dizzy Brudai. Brudai, say I don't know. But uh, well, you know what's interesting is not that long after Kevin Nash and Scott Hall come in as their actual real names. Yeah, yeah. And so you know you go from like these heavy, heavy gimmicks, and then all of a sudden, just boom, it changes, and now there's like this reality to to what's going on. It's kind of funny how it happens like that. Back then, you know, I had papers and papers of like fantasy booking. You know, as a kid, I just wrote book cards and storylines out like constantly. And I remember like there was a big to do like, well, they're not going to be called Razor Ramon and Diesel. What their name's going to be, you know? Yeah. And, and and I remember like I don't remember what I had for Diesel, but I had Scott Blade. That's my name. <laughs> <laughs> really bad, but uh, yeah, Scott Blade was the the thought they should got. <laughs> <laughs> a a a very young uh what would you have been like 17 or 18 at that point uh yeah i was in high, yeah i was 17 18 in high school yeah yeah young john laraca but i mean i was been doing that since like the fuck i started wrestling wrestling right writing wrestling cards down right so fun stuff Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So on the go-home paper, or on the go-home Nitro to the pay-per-view, there is a six-man strap match. I, I guess they had the strap with Hogan and Flair for a little bit, but the strap did not really sit on... Uh, folks here and then there were like lumberjacks outside the ring it was, like, it was almost like a country whipping match right basically yeah. with a strap man i don't know it was weird and, and then like the lumberjacks wore lumberjack uh jackets or whatever they you know the flannel red flannel yeah yeah and those guys are just goofing the hell off out there you know so it's so bad and so uh, yeah so that's the go home what do you think about uh, so Arn obviously gets the two wins over Hogan, mm-hmm. but the person who takes the fall 
whenever they need someone to take the fall on the bad guy side, it's not Kevin Sullivan, who is the least of the the three stars on the bad team. Mm-hmm. It's actually Flair, who's the champion, and he's the one who's taking these pinfalls. Yeah, yeah, I know. Flair, you know, Flair just kind of, probably should have put more of a stink up than he know, you know, than he did. But uh, yeah, like I don't know, understand why Kevin Sullivan didn't want to take the falls because it doesn't matter to him. He's the Booker, anyways. You know, like who cares? He's still going to be involved and stuff. But very strange times. Yeah. Um. All right. So let, let's talk a little bit about. What 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 which which one do I want to use here? I'm trying to figure out what what we want to do for uh for people who are listening on the podcast, I'm goofing around with our layout to see if we can nah, we'll do that one. That's the Jeremy Finestone layout right there. Jeremy put that one together. <laughs> uh so Dave Meltzer writes Hogan who has full control of his own programs and is basically the head booker, even though Kevin Sullivan has to handle most of the dirty work, decided, which some believe was due to heavy influencing from Savage, to change the main event at Uncensored from one-on-four to two-on-eight in a four-decker cage match with rules that still haven't been fully explained. I think it was actually a three-decker at when it came time but like the amount of work to put that cage together that was insane like that must have cost them a lot of money to put that thing together a lot of money a lot of space taken away from the the arena right because it's we gotta explain it there's a ring in the middle the standard like it'd be on a regular show in the middle of the arena but this cage is set up by the entranceway its own Mm -hmm. ring Three cages, you know, you know, stacked on top of each other. There's a smaller cage, a medium sized cage, and a cage that fits a, you know, the size of the 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 ring. And I thought visually this sucked, right? Like for if we're a fan there live, I mean, it sucked for us watching it. Yeah, because this one is so dark. Apparently, the same lighting crew from Multiverse United was actually <laughs> uncensored. Um. <laughs> they, uh, you know, it was like so dark for us. How I can imagine the 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 live audience, there, especially the people on the opposite side of the cage, way far away, they can't see nothing. I don't know if they had any kind of big screen going or anything like that. I, I don't think so. They don't. They were doing Titan Trons back then and whatnot. So, yeah. So so Hogan adds four. Dave Dave calls them four oversized heels yeah. to the to the mix here. Three of whom were. Tom Tiny Lister, formerly Zeus, uh, Jeep Swenson, mm. a Southern California Gold's Gym type who had both boxed, where he was once knocked out by a guy skinnier than Greg Gagne, and Russ <laughs> and and wrestled, uh, quote poorly, um, and and who who in Muscle Mags claims to have the largest muscular arms in the world. And one man gang, we didn't see one man gang in this. So, so no. the plans changed for one man gang. The final spot will either be taken by Shark or Warlord. So, those plans didn't happen. It actually was Ming and the Barbarian, but those guys were barely in the match at all. Yeah. And, um, 
and, and, and he just he just said that you know Hogan's still living in the in the 80s with the size with the size thing. Yeah. So also in it back in the main event mix here a little bit are the Steiner brothers. I was so happy to see these guys back mm-hmm. on my television in 1996 WCW. They come out and they have the best match that we'd seen from the Road Warriors since they came back. And the Road Warriors get a win uh, by cheating. Uh, all of a sudden, Animal just uses his uses the little what, forearm pad or whatever with the spike, yeah. and he's been winning matches that way. Uh, but the Scott and Rick look great. Like I was like, wow. Like I kind of forgot how good they still were at this point. Yeah, it's kind of it's very similar to not as good, but very similar to the Sting Luger Steiner match from Super Brawl One, where it's just like high impact. Right, they're gonna do all their big stuff, and I'm guessing this is like the the best the Road Warriors have looked, and also the last time the best. This is the good probably right. I don't remember them. I mean, unless it was stuff in Japan, I don't remember them doing anything. Uh, Try to remember, we watched '97 Night uh, Raw and also '98 Raw. Yeah, and they didn't look that good there. So, um, yeah, this was uh this that was a great match. That was fun. Um, the fit is the, the road warriors heel stuff is weird to me. Like they're cheating to win, but they're not, they're, they're covering Bay face promos. Like, <laughs> I don't even think they know what they're directing. Yeah. Le- Le- Lex is the bad guy here, but they're winning all these matches by cheating. <laughs> yeah. They're calling that Lex, a, a, a basically a wimp because, you know, he doesn't know what a Chicago street fight is. And he's like, yeah, we'll do whatever. Yeah, sure. You know, and, then, <laughs> and Sting's like freaking out because it's a Chicago street fight. And, and Road then, Warriors then, never lose that match. That's Road Warriors match. never lose. They cheat, but then they're, they're the cheating here. Just so stupid and weird. Okay, let's talk about Brian Pillman. Pillman was a big part of episode one because I'm at the same time that I'm looking at the old observers. I'm reading the Pillman book, Liam McGregor's Pillman book. I'm also reading Guy Evans's Nitro book, and so there's lots of there's just tons of information. That uh, you know, I'm 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 just going through, and so the reason, if you're watching on video, the slide that I have up here is the the Pillman Hotline, because you remember in 1996 the Hotline business was insane. Mm-hmm. So Brian Pillman creates his own Hotline, and you could call him and hear his crazy thoughts, and he does this. By wearing a shirt with the phone number on the shirt, he shows up at the last. Uh, I think. I think he was actually at the second to last Nitro mm-hmm. before uh, the pay per view as well. But they kind of did it as like, oh, who's this crazy guy? We can't show him on TV. So it was more for the live crowd kind of thing. But then on the show, going, you know, the the go home show, he he does come back and he's fighting against against the the good guys. So the Brian Pillman scenario, uh, it goes to ECW. And so Brian shows up uh, at the ECW arena on February 17th. And he's just trying to prove that he is nuts by showing up at their wrestling show. There was a, uh, a plan that he had also had to kind of show how crazy he was. He was going to show up at the Madison Square Garden show and he wanted to jump into a WWE ring. 
uh, I don't know if it was, it was during the main event or not, but uh, obviously, was, you know, Michaels or it was during a Michaels match or, or whatever, but he wanted to actually show up ringside, buy a ticket, and then jump the rail and then go to inside the ring. So that, that's kind of, but I, I forget why it didn't happen, but something happened. It may have been his throat or something, but something happened and he wasn't able to do it. And actually, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but if I remember correctly, Mike Johnson from PWI, Pro Wrestling Insider, is the one who got the the Pillman ticket that Pillman couldn't use. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay, so Pillman shows up. He's wearing a La Parca mask. Uh, he's pretending to only be able to speak Japanese backstage. <laughs> I don't know how you get away with that if you don't know how to speak Japanese. So he does an angle in the ring where they turn off the house lights. And when they come back on, Pillman was in the ring. Obviously, giant babyface pop. And then he called Bischoff by the name of Eric Jerkoff. Uh, Pillman then called the audience smart marks in a derogatory way and did an obscenity-laced interview that got most but not all of the audience to turn against him and uh, just an uh, incredible angle. So he said he was going to pull his dick out <laughs> and piss all over the fans in the front row. So Paul Heyman, Todd Gordon, and Shane Douglas come in. Uh, and uh, Heyman says to Pillman, it's not part of the deal. Pillman says, you know, he calls Heyman Booker Man. And then eventually Pullman, uh, Pillman does a worked attack on a fan pulls out a fork and he's hauled out of the building by the security team. While Shane Douglas uh, looking, you know, wanting, wanting to fight him, never laid a hand on him. And then he was in character for the rest of the night at the hotel, swearing at fans. <laughs> so um, at this point in the angle, Kim Woods decides that they just need to tell Meltzer, like they can't keep Meltzer, you know, not knowing. And so uh, Kim Woods in, in, in Kim Wood in the, in the Pillman book says, once the thing got going, it was like, Brian, we've got to tell Meltzer. We can't keep him in the dark. He would misinterpret anything else. The other guys, fuck them. Who cares? So I called Dave and I told him everything. So there were only three people that really knew what was going on. So now Dave knows. And you can sort of, if you're reading the observers and you have this knowledge, you can sort of see the uh, Dave is basically saying, okay, this is, this is not an angle anymore. He, he's saying what's going on. So then um, uh, Hogan ha- has, has figured it out. Hogan has figured out that this is a, this is an angle and this is not Pillman like shooting from the hip. And he's very mad at Eric Bischoff. He's like, Dude, how can you not tell me when I'm booking all of this stuff and I'm booking all the main event stuff? Like, and, and he was really mad at Bischoff. So what does Hogan want to do? He wants to drop the leg on Pillman, brother. That's how we get out of this thing. Mm-hmm. So supposedly Hogan was also a little bit insecure with the booze that he was getting. Um, obviously changed that match to the match with the Macho Man. And he just wanted to kill the Pillman angle, which is why on the go home Nitro, Pillman shows back up. He had to come back to work. It was in his contract. They called him back. Bischoff's like, you got to come back. You got to do this thing. 
you're going to be in this terror of doom triple cage match. And so Pillman has to come back and he shows up on the Nitro. At this point, Pillman thinks maybe he's got a little bit of leverage. He's like, okay, well, let's renegotiate my deal. And Bischoff basically wants to re-sign him at the same terms that he had already, he was already under. So, of course, that's not why he's doing this. So he decides that that's not the deal. And this is where Pillman comes up with the idea for Eric Bischoff to fire him for real. <laughs> that eventually does happen. And that's kind of where the Pillman story ends. With the except, at least right now, with the exception that he gets out of this pay-per-view, he gets mm-hmm. out of being on the heel side because he had gotten the surgery on his vocal cords that he would always have to get, and he basically called in sick. And they publicized him being in this match on WCW Saturday night, which was after he told them, and on the Sunday main event, which was after he told them. So that was, uh, they, they just, I think they just figured that he was trying to bluff them and that he was mm-hmm. eventually going to show up for fear of being fired. He did not show up. And they kind of, I forget what, um, they, they talked about it a little bit in the match. Shivani's like, where's Pillman? Where's Pillman? And he ends like, he could be hiding under the ring. You never know. Yeah. He could show up anywhere. But that was a little bit of a cover for him not being there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting to look back when Pillman jumps out and gets in that big old melee with all the, you know, the bay faces and the heels and, Hogan's trying to punch him, and he's like not selling Hogan's punches and acting like he doesn't even notice he's there. Yeah. So he's just, and he's just being wild and crazy, throwing chairs everywhere and falling over people, and you know trying to get at Sullivan, and you know he's doing still doing his own wild thing. So it's it's it's, it's uh, and that was it. That was it from uh, Pillman and WCW after that. And I think I called and, him. I called him Liam McGregor. His name is Liam O'Rourke. I don't know why I keep doing that. But in Liam O'Rourke's book, he says that the story is Pillman is supposed to get thrown into the ring with all the other heels, and Hogan is then going to go to town on all of them. Mm -hmm. But Pillman actually jumps the rail and goes through the crowd so he doesn't have to get beat up by Hogan. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So... We're getting to Razor Ramon and Diesel are ending their stay in WWF. So uh, Razor Ramon uh, is uh, he gave his notice to, to Vince McMahon and subsequently was then suspended for six <laughs> weeks for failing a drug test for marijuana. And uh, Vince told uh, Wade Keller at the Pro Wrestling Torch, there's nothing I can do about that coincidence. People will draw their own conclusions. There's nothing I can do about that. I'm a sitting duck. Anyone can say anything they want about it. But one thing's for sure. No one has anything to worry about if they don't test positive. <laughs> so there, there's Vince covering his tracks there for, for Ramon, who uh, you know he wants out. And so what about Diesel? Uh, Dave Meltzer writes in the March 4th edition of the uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Um, he writes that uh, he writes the, the, the Scott Hall thing, and now they have to change the WrestleMania match. It was supposed to be Scott Hall against Goldust, and then they change it to, to Rowdy Piper. Uh, and then Diesel, 
uh, is uh, the other half of the twosome, wildly rumored to to be WCW bound, missed the weekend house shows with a degree of controversy somewhat attached. Diesel suffered a combination separated and fractured shoulder apparently early in the house in the in your house cage match against Bret Hart. The injury may partially or totally explain the poor quality of the match compared to the previous matches the two have had. So, uh, so Diesel doesn't make the bookings, and this is a little bit of a worry for for one Vince McMahon. And then, in the uh, next uh, edition of Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Kevin Nash officially gave notice that he would be leaving World Wrestling Federation to accept an offer. Uh, with World Championship Wrestling in a phone call to Vince McMahon. No contract terms are available. Dave thinks that Nash is getting a guaranteed deal with uh, 450 to 750 per year. Um, and he is scheduled to start. So he's he's going to be in the WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania show because he's got a match with yeah. The Undertaker. Yeah. So Guy Evans's book, uh, the Nitro book, he has a quote from Nash about why he decided to leave. And it reads, after interfering in the Undertaker's match a month earlier and thus causing him to lose, Nash proposed a repeat of the angle involving an effective defeat of Hart before receiving his comeuppance. I would powerbomb Brett, basically having him beat, and then Taker comes through the bottom of the ring. He pulls me underneath long enough for Brett to recover, crawl through the ring, and win. So Hart said, uh, no, I'm not doing that. What does that do for me? Nash said, we had a meeting that day, and it was one of the few times I've seen Taker go off. He said, man, it's not always about you, Brett. At the beginning of the day, they said Brett was going to take the finish. But as, as the day went on, Vince came and said, no, Brett isn't going to take the finish. It isn't needed. So as soon as he heard that, he said, OK, he did the match, busted his ass. And that was the day that he called Eric to say he was coming to WCW. Bret Hart wouldn't take the power bomb, brother. Well, he knew it was coming. <laughs> no, he didn't, but you know, God, man, so much drama. Then there's still drama now. I feel so, drama but, now. Yeah, there's still a lot of drama now. There's always drama for us. It's just the way it goes. A lot of egos. It's just wild. You know what I what I wonder though when I read that stuff back is Vince has to know with these guys coming up for contract that the easiest way for Eric to catch up or, or or whatever or to you know make a big splash and you know these nitro thing nitro and, and raw had to is to take his guys because he wants to take eric's guys we know that johnny b bad is coming so why isn't vince bending over backwards for hall and nash knowing that mm-hmm. if he keeps them on his roster Maybe he doesn't have to push them to the moon, but at least it keeps them away from Eric. Did he just think, what is Eric going to do with these guys? They're already old news on my show. They're they're not great. Like, like what is Vince thinking here to just not make sure that these guys stick around? Mm. It's time. WWE's not doing the best 
business and he's already going to be rescinding on the Bret Hart deal soon. So he's probably looking like, Hey, I can't even afford to keep these guys. Right. And of course he doesn't think WCW is really going to, you know, he doesn't feel like they're going to take him, beat him for long. It's going to be a short time, but of course it, it goes a little longer than he thought. But uh, he was able to at least, at least it was able to light a fire under his belly, and he was able to come back. But um, yeah, I think the time it's like, well, I can't compete, and also he didn't want to set a precedent at the time. But I think you know later on, everyone's doing the guarantee contracts, right? Uh, okay, so let's talk about this uncensored show, and uh, get a little graphic as we talk about these star ratings here. The graphic is of from Kevin Ely of the boom who took a I forget where this picture came from but he 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 put the stars in, in Dave's hand so we'll go over the star rating we'll go over all the matches of this show and we will oh, talk okay. about John's star rating as uh it is compared to Big Dave Meltzer's star ratings for uncensored 1996 <laughs> If the audio sounds a little bit different, we moved over to Skype. We were using StreamYard for video, but uh, John's audio and video wasn't syncing up properly. So we moved on to Skype. Uh, But now let's talk about the uncensored pay-per-view. And uh, the pre-show was done on a main event. So if you were watching WCW main event and uh, before the pay-per-view, you got to see the pre-show. But the problem with that for us, if we were on the West Coast, the pre-show would actually be on like head-to-head against the pay-per-view because of the uh, because of the delay in, in, in with Pacific time. Like I, I, That's why I was always excited to watch these pre-shows, but then... I was like, wow, you know, the pay-per-view is already over. I know what's going on in the pay-per-view, and these pre-show matches are happening on main events. It's a little bit of a disconnect for me. I mean, I watched – I remember watching it live. Because I remember – I think what they did was – because on the West Coast, the pay-per-view started at 5 o'clock. Main event normally started at 3 o'clock West Coast time. But I think for pay-per-view days, it started an hour later at 4 o'clock. So I remember watching those main event – live main events before the pay-per-view. So – I think they were able to adjust it on that. All right, so Jerry Lynn, uh, Mr. JL, <laughs> favorite of, of one uh, LaRocca uh, JL. Mm-hmm. Uh, he upset Dean Malenko in the opener of the pre-show of main event. Uh, and the winner of this match was to advance to the Cruiserweight Tournament, advance in the Cruiserweight Tournament, and then get a shot at the U.S. title the next night. For these guys, <laughs> these guys only go three minutes and 20 seconds. Holy cow. I know. I know. They didn't get enough time. A lot of these pre-show matches are kind of rushed, and they're going to give the most of the time to the main, the main event of the pre-show, I guess. And then Hacksaw Jim Duggan beats Bubba Rogers in 320 as well, exactly the same amount of time. VK Wall Street comes to ringside with Duggan's 2x4, gives it to Bubba. Uh, Bubba and the ref wrestle over two by four and Duggan with his tape fist knocks out Bubba for the three count to win that match. Dirty Dick Slater 
still wrestling in 1996. Mm-hmm. Pins Alex Wright in 155. Uh-huh. Uh, Alex Wright was distracted by Medusa chasing Colonel Parker uh, around the ring. And it gave Slater the opportunity to hit him with the cowboy boot and score the pin. And then in the main event of the pre-show, the Steiner brothers go to no contest with the Nasty Boys because the Road Warriors interfere. And it sounds like the match was uh, about to get pretty good when the Road Warriors came in and broke up the match and caused the no contest. (laughs) All right. Conan... And Eddie Guerrero start off the show. My thoughts watching this match and actually watching all of Conan's matches so far is that I see the charisma. I see the uniqueness of his character. I see the build, you know, all that stuff. I see all of that. But I can't get over how bad of a wrestler he was. Uh, this was Eddie Guerrero who doesn't really have bad matches. And I just thought that Conan was sloppy, not great, trying to do stuff that he probably couldn't do very well, uh, misplaced stuff. And, you know, Eddie's Eddie, so you know he's going to do a good job. Finish is Guerrero goes for a Thez press and he gets hit in the nuts with Conan's head. <laughs> and he sells it, and then Conan rolls him up for a pin. And so it kind of makes Conan look like a dick, but he is the champ, and, and he needs to, to win this match. But what do you think What do you think about Conan's matches in, in the early Nitro days? Well, Conan, is just a, he's just not a good worker, you know. Um, his strength's never been in ring. Um, at the time in WCW, like, I was excited about him coming in, and I think I was at the time caught up in the – the look, because he has a great look, right? Very muscular build. Uh, before that, before he was bald, he had the, the dreadlocks that looked pretty cool, the cornrows that looked cool. Um, he did a couple flashy things, but he just not a good worker. And in Mexico, he can kind of get away with that kind of stuff. But in the United States, it as a this version of Conan, it just wasn't connecting until he became Dungeon of Doom Cholo. <laughs> Conan and were kind of like a person. He gave himself a personality, and it, you know he got over that way. But he still wasn't that good either. This match I thought was really bad. Um, Conan was blown up. Eddie was frustrated. You could see the look on his face at the end of it. Like, oh god, we're probably all gonna get fired for this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a complete, just a horrible match. What do you think, Big Dave gave it? Should have been negative three. You know, <laughs> there is a negative three star match on mm-hmm. this show. It is oh. not this one. Wow. Dave gave it three and a quarter stars. What the hell? <laughs> oh my God. What was he on? I think he's, I think it's just his style. This is the stuff style of bad watching. wrestling. That's what he wants to watch. This is what he was watching back then. He was watching. I know his he was Lucha. close to those guys and very supportive on them on the indies and coming up. And but damn, man, like you got to just be truthful now. I don't know. Maybe he was, but I mean, that's his opinion. But man, dude, that was that was bad match. Maybe he was just and all of some of the moves they were doing. But even then, like, Eddie would do some good stuff. But Conan, at one point, Conan was so blown up, he did this dive out, and he just, like, 
shoves Eddie. (laughs) The look on Eddie's face at the end tells the whole story. The Belfast bruiser David Finley beat Stephen Regal, Steve Regal, uh, via DQ in 1733. I really liked this match. It was stiff. It was brutal. It was a fight. Uh, But my, my thought as I was watching this is, if you're watching Nitro... You have a couple of Belfast Bruiser matches where he looks pretty impressive. I don't, I mean, Regal may have been in one match, but this is a match where you're selling the idea of these two guys being really good and having great chemistry and knowing each other. But the fans don't really know anything about this. So they just see it as two guys they don't really know having a long ish match. And. Even though I liked it, I couldn't imagine what the majority of that audience was thinking at the pay-per-view for this match to go almost 20 minutes. They're they're reacting to the physicality of it, but to, for them, they didn't know Belfast Bruiser. You know, Steven Regal, they know because he's been in the company since uh, you know 1993, so they know him. But they don't. Know, but this match to them is a cold match, even though they did build it up. But it was on the. The WWE Saturday Night, it was on WWE Main Event, stuff like that, where they set this up mainly. And at the time, a lot of people be, you know, why watch WWE Saturday Night when it's just a bunch of matches? You know, you 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 watch, uh, you know, Nitro because that's like that's the main show, right? Yeah. Even though at at this time, I think I watched, I think I still watch WWE. I think I still watch WWE Saturday Night and Main Event, probably. For 96, but by 97, I was stopped watching on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And so, you know, again, I really, I thought it was really good, but Mm -hmm. uh, it was just probably five minutes too long for that audience. And, and you know what, honestly, for this show, maybe that match should have gone 30 minutes and we should have made the main event like five (laughs) minutes. (laughs) You know, I was thinking like all these, like, I can't believe freaking conan and Eddie Guerrero was 18 minutes it felt i felt like 100 years because it was so bad but like you know maybe that could have been 10 in the maybe this one could have been 12 you know maybe you could have slipped in a couple of extra matches in yeah um why, why the steiner brothers and the nasty boys wasn't on this pay-per-view is and we'll get ridiculous. into the the length of the tag team title match but um but but this match at one point i think i don't know what happens but like Finley just potatoes Regal and just busts him his nose up or eye or something was bleeding and bleeding really badly. And of course, WWE at the time, there was no blood allowed, so they would, you know, there was blood to happen, you know, by hard way, like this was. They would just do this big wide shot <laughs> and and keep it on that wide shot. And all of a sudden, it was what a disqualification. Belfast yeah. was a one because. Dave Taylor and Bobby Eaton, who are the Blue Bloods with Steven Regal, came out and attacked Bruiser, but kind of came out of nowhere. So I wonder if they just kind of called Audible to send those guys out there, and, you know, because of the blood. They just want to get them out of there because they couldn't really shoot anything because for some reason, you know, Turner was scared to show blood because like, that's going to turn people off in wrestling. But It's like uh, Edge and Finn Balor in the Hell in a Cell. Yeah, that, yeah, that was... That was wild. That was, <laughs> but then that gash, though. Yeah, that was crazy. That was 
pretty gross. You couldn't see it on TV though because of the the paint. So they even if mm-hmm. they showed it, you wouldn't be able to really see it. But yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was uh, it was Finley throwing a punch and hitting Regal in the nose, which broke his nose and messed <laughs> up his face. Uh, and then and then yeah, he and then they had to they they sent those guys in and that was it. Uh, then we get Colonel Parker pins Medusa in three forty seven. Uh, they announced Colonel Parker at 197 pounds. <laughs> he was a lot larger than that. Uh, yeah. It was it was entertaining for what it was. Medusa got the big body slam, uh, and but you know Parker just utilized his big body as Dirty Dick Slater came in and kicked Medusa's leg out as she tried to bridge a, a pin, and as she tried to bridge, and then Parker rolled her over for a pin and just basically put his fat body on her and she couldn't get up <laughs> but that this, was the finish this was actually a good match and i thought they played the the man versus woman you know match really well they did they, they just but the finish killed it like minutia should have won yeah she should have won yeah I, you know I, that's why i thought that should have happened that she should have won and i don't know why colonel Robert had to go over here but he did and you know I don't even know what the hell happens with this feud. What is, how does it even end? I don't remember. We'll find by, out, I guess. By the way, Belfast Bruiser and, and Regal, what was your star rating? Uh, shit. They get the Conan versus Eddie Guerrero, three and a quarter. This might have been six. But I know it's not <laughs> six, but uh, so I'm going to say three and a half. He gave it this one three and a quarter as well. Okay. Yeah. I give it a solid three. What about the Medusa match? Um, I'm gonna give us. I'm gonna give it two stars. Dave gave it one star. Okay. All right, Booty Man pins oh. DDP in what was originally going to be an I Quit match, but turns out to be a regular match in which DDP would retire if he lost. Um, DDP. As the finish came, he goes and he basically Kimberly goes in the apron and he just gives her a giant kiss <laughs> and she slaps him and then the booty man hits the high knee. Uh, he, I think he really missed this high knee, but yeah. Uh, and Dave called it the low knee uh, <laughs> for the pin at 16 minutes. So in in your non Colonel Parker matches you had 18 minutes, 27 seconds, 17 minutes, 33 seconds, and then 16 minutes of the booty man. Um, yeah. And then, and then he made out with her and, you know, she, she was in love with him, but I, did, did you, do you think, you know, Bruce beefcake was like, wow, I'm on a pay-per-view. Hell Yeah. And uh, you got to go 16 minutes, dude. Like, what the F is going on here? <sighs> he should have got eight. That's what it should have yeah, been. Yeah. Uh, this is way too long. This is this is painful. Um, I just never. I mean, I like Brutus Beefcake in 19, you know, early on yeah. to like 1990, right? Yeah. yeah. Hogan's buddy and before that. But um, ever since then, ever since the Paris Alien Oxygen, he's just never been the never been the same of course and um yeah just matched i i gave the shoot honestly i thought colonel parker and medusa was a lot better i'm gonna get so this one dave 
Okay. So it's going to be, I know Dave, so he's, I, I, I still gave it, I would still give this match a, a star and a quarter. Dave went full on dud with this one. Oh my God. I, I don't know if it's a dud, but it's just, yeah, they, some good stuff, but for the most part, too long. The giant Paul White, who they are still calling Andre's son, <laughs> pinned Loch Ness in two minutes and 34 seconds with a leg drop. He said the giant, he wrote that the giant took a one great bump, which supposedly wasn't planned. So they didn't want the giant to take a bump from this dude. Um, and uh, he wins with a, a left, left legged leg drop to beat mm-hmm. Loch Ness. Yeah, this one's. This one as as a dud, or probably Dave gave it negative five stars. Negative one. <laughs> yeah, Loch Ness just couldn't move. He just he just can barely get up once he fell down. <laughs> All right, Sting and Booker T against the Road Warriors goes almost thirty minutes. Yeah, in yeah. a Chicago street fight, and like there was. Definitely some fighting outside of the ring, but it was mostly just a, a, a like a tornado match for for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, the uh, there was a lots of stuff going on in this match. At one point, Booker T leaves and he goes to the outside, and then uh, Animal chases him, and they're like I forget what room they're in, but Lex is posing. And so everybody jumps animal and they they tape him and handcuff him so that he can't come back to the ring. So it's Sting and Booker T double teaming Hawk and they uh, they they finally win with Booker T hits hits uh it gets the pin cuz Stevie Ray hits Hawk with a chair and that's the that's the finish there. Booker Booker T wins for Sting and Booker T and Sting is still the the champion in a non-title match, but uh, Booker T then gets uh, his team a shot for the yeah. tag team titles. Yeah, this this match had moments, but it just went too long. I you could tell these guys are just shit. We've done everything we know how to do. You know, like what else can we do here? And it I almost felt like it was a rib. Like let's this guys go thirty minutes and just mess <laughs> with them. But um. Too long, especially for a street fight, especially with these guys. Um, just big dudes going that long, and it's not like there's – it's a, like you said, it's a tornado match, right? They're just, there's no tags. There's no time for guys to kind of get their win and get back out there again. Um, though I thought Sting did a good job, and there were some like fun moments, and people would get up when Sting got fired up. But, yeah, it went too long. As, as long as it kept going, the people started getting uh, – started just kind of getting – you know, falling out of it and just – it went forever, dude. Damn, almost 30 minutes. Sting Sting knows the game. He knows he's working with these dudes. And mm-hmm. his job is to feed into all of their power stuff. And, you know, Sting's a really good athlete, but he's not going to do crazy stuff with these guys because he knows that they're not going to be able to keep up. But mm-hmm. no one told Booker T. Like, there's a moment where he's perched on the top rope and Hawk is kind of turning around and he's kind of trying to make his way to half the ring so that Booker T could do whatever the move that he wants. Booker T was waiting forever, man. And then so it makes Hawk look look like an idiot because he sees the guy on the top rope and he's Mm got to walk into this big, you know, this high cross off the top rope. And I was just like, 
man, these poor road warriors, they can't move. Their, you know, their their athleticism is is pretty much gone, and Booker T just wants to, he like he's fired up, man. He's like, this is my opportunity, and it's it's just not a great it's just not a great mix in in some instances. But you know, for the fans, they were not unhappy with this match. I mean, they probably would would have liked it to be a little bit shorter, but I, I think that they were kind of into it mm-hmm. for the most part. I wonder in it the Road Warriors too, like these don't look like the Road Warriors anymore. You know, they don't like I'm talking about like the size, right? They don't look in, intimidating compared to like like Booker T looked bigger than those guys, right? Yep. Um I wonder if you ask Booker T now about this match, you'd be like, it was a classic man, <laughs> you know, like two war uh, four warriors, legends, you know he's, what I mean? He's still not sure what time the NXT show was supposed to start on uh, on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> He was, uh, I was, I've been watching a little bit of the uh, NXT show before we got on, and there was a match where it was a Vic with Nathan, Nathan Frazier versus Dragon Lee, which was really good. And uh, uh, Vic Joseph said like something about, you know, what Nathan Jones used to do. And then Booker T gets mad at him and, and started, but it says the exact same thing what Vic Joseph said. And Vic Joseph's like, why are you yelling at me? I just said the same thing. You know, this is bizarre, <laughs> man. I don't know why. Booker T is there. I shit. Get Wade Barrett back to NXT and put Pat McAfee back on SmackDown. Come on. Matt McAfee is too rich. I know. He is too in, uh, you know, he's got too many people who want him for him to go back to pro <laughs> wrestling. Yeah. That, that dude is on, uh, he, he, he's, he's on a, uh, uh, what do you call it? He's on a pathway to stardom. He's, he's already a star, but yeah. 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 Uh, but I, I agree with you. I don't like when Booker T when they brought him in. I was like, God, you have all, you know you have all of these people you could bring in and give a shot. And you keep going back to the guy who doesn't pay attention, has no idea what's going on in wrestling, and is just there uh, had, because he he has a name. They had Nigel there. Yeah. Now Nigel's in uh, ROH. ROH, and I thought he did a poor job on ROH. Like he, uh, I didn't watch a, it. he was, I did, and he was he was. He was fine, but I thought he he tried to heal it up way too much. Mm. Unlike NXT UK, where he was more of a subtle heel, which right. I like. Right. All right, main event time: Hulk Hogan Ooh. and Randy Savage versus Ming, the Barbarian, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Kevin Sullivan, Lex Luger, <laughs> Z Gangsta. And the ultimate solution. This match went 25 minutes. Uh, I don't even like this. This is even hard to describe because I don't even know what the rules were. What were the reason for the, all the towers? There, well, originally Hogan was supposed to go through the stages, right? Conquer one guy, and once he conquers that guy, moves to the next cage, and then so on. But I, I, I think that was the original plan. So they kept with it, but like, like. The idea, I think the story, they changed it to where Hogan and Savage have to get out of one, get through one cage, go down the little trap door to the next cage, and if they try to get through that cage, get down to the bottom. And they get to the bottom, they got to contend with the, these giants. I think that was the, you know, I just kept thinking, like, they show the entrance with all the, the heels coming out. You see Ric Flair and Arnie Anderson together. And I, you know, they just said, what is our careers have come to this shit? <laughs> like, 
right? So, like, or climb up ladders to go to the top of this three-story, and I'm going to be in this little cage at the top here. My goodness. So there, there was some comedic value in this match, and it came mostly from Lex Luger. <laughs> Lex Luger would yell at the top of his lungs <laughs> if he took a punch, yeah. if he uh, took a clothesline, if he took a bump. He would yell the same scream. There was a moment where Hogan hit him with a duffel bag or a backpack. I wasn't exactly sure which one it was. And Tony Schiavone asked Bobby Heenan, what did he hit him with? Bobby Heenan said he hit him with a, um, gosh, what did he say? A bucket with tools in it. I was like, brother, I don't know what you're seeing. This is like a soft-ass backpack that Hogan hit. The- and Luger yelled and screamed like like he got, you know, like every other shot. So I was, I was a big fan of Lex Luger overselling his ass off and screaming, knowing that this is a, pretty much a, a joke match. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- when, when they were on the second the second tower mm-hmm. and you could tell Arn Anderson was like, okay, if we fall on this thing, are we going through the bottom of this? Like he was so unsure mm-hmm. of the footing and you know, like not, it was only be what two years later where Foley goes through the entire cage. Right. So yeah, yeah. he had every right to be worried that he was going to go through this thing. And the second tier was Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, like Sue, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At one point, <laughs> Hogan like goes to like either whip Luger into the cage, but then Hogan like, or Luger thought he's getting whipped in the cage, but Hogan didn't. So Luger at one point just runs and rams himself in the cage. <laughs> just does a sprint. Well, okay, okay. So what about the finish, which is Luger is holding Savage? Uh, no, uh, Flair is holding Savage, and after, Luger had a black glove. And Luger mm. is about to punch Savage. He pumps his right fist. Savage moves. It was like a, a fake. And then Luger still punches Flair right in the face. I I see. I, I know. I, I didn't understand either. And I because Luger soon becomes a baby face, full fledged, right? I I don't remember, and I'm not watching forward, so I don't mean uh, either. I, but I'm I think it, it, well, he obviously does because he's part of Team WCW and all that stuff. So. Right, right, right. So I I'm guessing that was like him turning against the Dungeon of Doom well, in a we'll, way. We'll definitely see it. We'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll find out. out. Yeah, yeah. Or Luger's timing is just really bad, but he's still one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and you know what? He should not have been this match. Damn it. We should have got that Chris Benoit versus Randy Savage all scout anywhere. Luger should have been that tag team match. Yeah. Damn it. Hogan should have had to go through the damn tears. My goodness. He should have. He definitely should have. And that would have been a better show for sure. Uh, but yeah, so that's how the show ends. Is So so even worse. Well, the frying pans. You get the oh, okay. The frying pan. Bro- bro- Brother Brudai brings in frying pans so these guys can smack Z Gangsta and jeep swenson in, in in their heads with these pans ecw influencer <laughs> so so when yeah. when flair gets hit with this black glove from luger hogan goes 
Let's get out of here, brother. And he starts walking away and Savage starts walking away and he Savage like there's an epiphany. He's like, "Wait, we have to pin Rick so that we can win this match." So he races back as he's leaving the ring, races back, and Rick's just laying there for 10 seconds knocked out and he finally covers Rick to win the match and this show is thankfully over. Shit, what a disaster this show was. And then that 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 graphic that you showed earlier of the the uncensored preview is Chief Swenson wearing his Bane gear from Batman movie that he was in because he was Bane and Batman for versus what Clooney is that or Val Kilmer one whatever one yeah, that was yeah 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 I think it was the Clooney one wasn't it yeah I think so and he was Bane and that looks like the Bane mask he wore so they use that they're using a Warner Brothers uh a picture on there. so what year would that would that movie have been ah oh, shoot um. Uh, early 90s um is it batman forever well there was batman forever which may have been kilmer who batman and robin was clooney i don't even i don't remember but yeah he's got the he's got the giant mask on in in the picture for uncensored yeah i don't think he's in this one that's two fate i think it's batman and robin you're right batman and robin because i don't think he's in the one with uh Jim Carrey's Batman Forever with the, uh, yeah, it has to be, I don't even know. <laughs> God. It's, Hold on, keep, I'm almost there. Bane. Yeah, Bane is in Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, and it's Jeep Swenson played him, who. Uh, so that, that movie comes out the year after this pay-per-view comes out. Yeah, they can capitalize on that. <laughs> so, according to Wikipedia, there is a a picture of Robert Alexander Jeep Swenson Jr. Mm-hmm. on Wikipedia. In this picture, he is in the middle of two women. He doesn't have a shirt on. Supposedly, one of these women is his daughter, and the other one is his wife, the wife is kissing him on the side of his face. The daughter is over the other shoulder. It looks like a porno movie, and there's like all three of them are, are in this movie, but supposedly this is a picture of his wife and his daughter on Wikipedia. Look up Robert Swenson. I'm, I'm on it. On Wikipedia. On it. What is going on here? And sadly, he dies in 1997. Yeah, he dies literally the next year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I heard Mer uh, correctly... He was such like a joy to work with on the set. They just loved him. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, Ho- Hogan, Davy Boy Smith, and James Kahn gave eulogies at his funeral. Hogan did? Yeah, that's what it says. Interesting. I wonder. If... Yeah, because I don't think Jeep Swenson. I remember he worked world class for a short time when he was very green. I mean, he was pretty green from the start, but forever, I think, his career, but. He wasn't too bad if you protected him, but um, you know he's a big, big dude, man, massive. Yeah. And then, uh, according to Wikipedia, from '93 to '94, he wrestled for Global Wrestling Federation, where he feuded with Ahmed Johnson. I don't think that's true. I don't remember Jim Jeffries being Global, so I may I could be wrong, but I don't even remember. I do not remember either, but my Global. Uh, my global knowledge is just from like that first those 
first couple months they were on ESPN. <laughs> that's, that's where my knowledge is from. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's he never did global, but I'll, I'll double check. You know, because I know there was a dark area that time. There wasn't really on. Uh, yeah, if you go Chief Sensing Global and um, on YouTube, all that really comes up is Chief Swenson in world class. So, and that was in '87. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the one other note here is that um, he was in No Holds Barred as a pit fighter. Mm. So probably in the background somewhere. And I see he wrestled. He did a boxing match. He was two and zero here. Came up on this video. Third fight was stopped in round one after he was knocked down twice by Frankie Garcia. That must have been the guy who Dave said was skinnier than Greg Gagne. You know what though? I know Dave says that, but. Um, uh, Gagne was a badass, though. <laughs> he didn't look like much, but he was a badass, you know? Yeah. He was talking about the lack of musculature on his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. We are we are done here uh, with this one. And next in line for the shows that we're going to do is uns- uh, nah, uh, Slamboree is next. So that is not until... Uh, mid-May, so we will we will catch up with all of our Nitros, and then we will be back to talk about Slamboree, and I think this is a good thing, because I literally have no idea what's on this card, and that means that I'm going to be very surprised as we go through this Slamboree card, because I know what's on the Bash at the Beach, I think I know what's on Great American Bash, but I don't know what's on Slamboree here for mid-May. Um, I know most of these matches. There's some some good matches on the show. It's better than uncensored, thank goodness. Thank goodness. All right. Yeah. All right. So John and I will be back in uh, in a few weeks, in about a little bit over a month, with the Slambury report, which means that we'll have several weeks of uh, nitros to recap, and there's going to be more of the story of Holland Nash heading over to WCW. Uh, there will be more Brian Pillman stuff, not necessarily related to WCW as much as just how he finagles his way out of WCW. But uh, we'll be back. So thanks for checking us out. Hopefully you're enjoying re-watching WCW Nitro 1996 like we are and the pay-per-view. So for John, I'm Double GC. When we see you, peace out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.